0: Preserve, protect, and defend. Preserve, protect, and defend. The Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the United States. So help you, God. So help me, God. Congratulations, Mr.
1: President. I'm on the National Mall looking up toward the Capitol, where President Biden was sworn into office. Typically, this lawn is filled with hundreds, if not thousands, of ticketed guests. But now, due to the coronavirus pandemic and security concerns, this is basically an empty field. This is the reason that President Biden wanted to deliver this address outside here, looking out over the National Mall. The sun started shining during his ceremony. Now he's still in the Capitol here, and the hard work begins.
2: He is now entering the White House grounds. This is so notable. This is the first time that Joe Biden has actually made it over here since he won the presidency. The first thing that we are told is on his agenda is dismantling a lot that Donald Trump has done over the last four years.
3: The sounds of a truly monumental inauguration day in America as a nation on edge turns the page. Hello, I'm CNN political director David Chalian.
2: And I'm CNN senior political reporter Nia Malika Henderson. Welcome to Politically Sound. Just two weeks after a mob seized control of the Capitol, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris took their oaths of office on ground that was previously overrun by insurrectionists.
3: And now a new era has begun in American politics. The inauguration of Joe Biden in a heavily militarized Washington went off without a hitch, a day of historic firsts.
4: It is my honor to be here, to stand on the shoulders of those who came before to speak tonight as your vice president.
3: And the embracing of challenges to come. This is a time of testing.
0: We face an attack on our democracy and on truth, a raging virus, growing inequity, the sting of systemic racism, a climate in crisis. I promise you, We will be judged, you and I, by how we resolve these cascading crises
3: of our era. And yet watching Biden become president felt, well, to be honest, a little normal. There were members of both parties shaking hands and mingling, there was a sense of pageantry, but also a profound sense of normalcy that has been lacking in America for the past four years. Politics doesn't have to be a raging fire, destroying everything in its
0: path, every disagreement. Doesn't have to be a cause for total war. My fellow Americans, we
2: have to be different than this. America has to be better than this. Even as fireworks lit up Washington, the Biden administration began digging into the unflashy work of tackling the pandemic and implementing their agenda.
3: In this episode, we'll look at the challenges ahead for President Biden and bringing the divided nation together and how this profound inauguration will set the tone for the Biden presidency as
2: it moves forward. To do that, we'll be joined by the voice who narrated the events of this week.
4: President Joe Biden, now the 46th president of the United
2: States. The a- extraordinary moments of this year and a lot of the major news you remember in recent history, and that is CNN's Wolf Blitzer.
3: So it's time to tune out the noise and tune in to What's Politically Sound. Wolf, thank you so much for being here. You've been on TV for almost 24 hours straight, and I know how draining that can be. So I really do appreciate you joining us.
4: Well, it's a huge, huge story. Obviously, history was made, and that's what we do at CNN. We report the news, especially on major historical days, like the inauguration of a new president of the United States. So when Ted Turner hired me almost 31 years ago, remember, he said, the news comes first. And so I've always felt like that. And so when there's big news, it comes first.
2: And Wolf, you have narrated this story for millions of Americans. So watching this inauguration unfold, unfold so smoothly and powerfully in this crazy militarized Washington that we all had to get used to over these last days, what were you thinking as you were watching it unfold?
4: I was thinking about how smoothly it was going. Like everybody else uh, who lives here in the in Washington, D.C. area, I was so nervous about uh, security. I was worried that, uh, God forbid, something could happen, uh, there could be some sort of violent act that would force us to go into other kinds of breaking news. And thank God it didn't happen. Uh, but that my, that was my big concern. And I also was encouraged that we didn't have any major incidents in 50 state capitals around the country because I know the FBI was really worried about that as well. Now, that doesn't mean There aren't going to be incidents down the road, but at least yesterday, January 20th, Inauguration Day, everything went very smoothly. Thank God for that, Wolf.
3: This inauguration, though, again, thankfully, violence was not part of it in any way. It was missing that usual symbolic transfer of power from one president to another. But we did see the president's club minus Jimmy Carter due to covid and his age and concerns and minus Donald Trump, the outgoing president who left town earlier. We did see the remaining former living presidents, Obama, Bush and Clinton record a video at Arlington National Cemetery yesterday picking up on the themes that President Biden put forth in his inaugural address about achieving unity to move the country forward.
0: Well I think uh, the fact that the three of us are standing here talking about a peaceful transfer of power speaks to the uh, institutional integrity of our country. You have spoken for us today, now you will lead for us,
4: and we're ready to march with you. Joe, I'm proud of you, Uh, and you and Kamala uh, need to know that you've got all of us here rooting for your success keeping you in our prayers, uh, and we will be available in any ways that we can as citizens to, uh, to help you guide our country forward. So, Wolf,
3: you've covered all of those administrations. What do you make of these three men, Clinton, Bush, and Obama, coming together and what they had to say on that day that those
4: tumultuous four years of the Trump era came to a close? I was very moved. I was inspired by the fact that you had these three living former presidents of the United States speaking so powerfully about the need to try to work together for the nation's good and to do so at Arlington National Cemetery. The symbolism of that, to me, was very significant. I was sad that uh, former President Jimmy Carter, who's 96 years old, for understandable reasons, given what's going on, given his age, given some of his health issues, couldn't come. I know personally he would have loved to have been there. You know, I was disappointed and very saddened that uh, the immediate past president of the United States, Donald Trump, decided to behave the way he did. I didn't hear him mention the name Biden even once. And uh, he should have done the right thing. He should have done what every American president has done, honor his successor, the next president of the United States at a presidential inauguration. It's been exactly 152 years since that didn't happen. 152 years we went with every president participating in the inauguration of his successor. Sadly, it didn't happen this time, which I think was not good. It's not just to be gracious and kind to your successor, it's
3: because of the message it sends to your fellow countrymen and around the world about America's continued progress in moving its democracy forward. That's what was sort of robbed from the country by Trump not participating.
2: I think you're exactly right. And Wolf, in Biden's inaugural address, he also set a very different tone than his predecessor. He talked about, for instance, the importance of truth, the importance of unity as well. And then, he had a message for his staff that really talked about the kind of work culture that he would tolerate and the kind he wouldn't. Here's what he had to say.
0: If you're ever working with me and I hear you treat another colleague with disrespect, talk down to someone. I promise you I will fire you on the spot. On the spot. No ifs, ands, or buts. Everybody, everybody is entitled to be treated with decency and dignity. That's been missing in a big way the last four years.
4: I think we're gonna see a very different tone and tenor and substance the next four years that we saw in the last four years, because Biden is a very different man than Trump. Biden may be 78 years old, Trump is 74 years old, so they're almost roughly the same age, but they're very, very different in substance, and they're very different in their personal attitudes, they're very different in their tone, their comments. It's going to be a whole new ballgame as far as President Biden is going to be very different than President Trump was. And I think that comment that he made, Nia, that you, you pointed to where he warned everybody who works for him. And it was a swearing in ceremony for about a thousand presidential appointees. These are people who do not need Senate confirmation and they're already starting to work. And so, you know, he was very blunt in that. And I certainly was very uh, appreciative of what he had to say. Wolf, there's
3: no place you can look in American political culture these days without seeing how deeply divided we are as a country, the polarization of our politics. And just, I think, division has been the calling card of our politics for these last many years. And obviously, Biden was calling on the country to unify. That was the central theme of his inaugural address. He put a challenge to the country to step up and join him in this effort. I want you to hear a little bit of the speech. Today... On this January
0: day, my whole soul is in this, bringing America together, uniting our people, uniting our nation. And I ask every American to
3: join me in this cause. So what do you make of that, Wolf? This wasn't just Joe Biden laying out his vision for a unified America. This was Joe Biden, day one as president of the United States, challenging America to step up and do the work of uniting the country.
4: I think that was typical Joe Biden. You know, I've spent many, many years covering him, obviously, when he was vice president of the United States for eight years. But I covered him in the Senate for a long, long time. And he always, whether on the Judiciary Committee or the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, always sought out fellow senators, especially Republicans, to work together and to do the job of the American people. I vividly remember back in November 2002, I was in Doha, Qatar, with the U.S. Military Central Command, getting ready for what we didn't know at the time, but we knew there was going to be a war to get rid of Saddam Hussein. And uh, I was there in Qatar anchoring my show for about a month in Doha. And one night in the hotel where I was staying, I was going down to the little area where we had a little camera and studio, and I see, checking into the hotel, Joe Biden, who was then a, a simple Democratic senator from Delaware, and Chuck Hagel, a Republican senator from Nebraska. I would anchor by show and for the three nights they were there, they would come on together. They always wanted to come on together and make their points. And it was just reflective to me of how both of them wanted to work together. One was a Democrat, one was a Republican. And I'm hoping we can get back to that a little bit now for the good of the country. Let Democrats and Republicans work together on substantive issues where they can agree, because I think that's the best. I think that's good in terms of helping our country.
2: Wolf, you know, one of the things I feel like people think about you is it's sort of not true until they hear Wolf Blitzer on CNN say that it's true. And people were certainly kind of waiting on that moment in this election for you to announce that Biden was the winner. I wonder if you could talk about how your approach, how your voice has evolved a bit under uh, Trump first and how you see that changing, if at all, under Biden.
4: My job is, you know... I'm an old school kind of journalist. I just want to report the news. I want to report it as factually and as honestly as I possibly can. I want to make sure that if a politician is lying or cheating or stealing or whatever, we hold that politician accountable. I always felt, and I still feel, that we're the first draft of history. We report the news, and then the scholars and the historians, they can go back and review stuff that we didn't know, and they can do a little bit more in-depth in their work. But uh, we have a major responsibility. I love what we're doing, and I will say this, Neil. I'm really happy that we're almost certainly not going to hear a president of the United States over the next four years Call us the enemy of the American people because we are not the enemy of the American people We love the American people. We want to inform the American people. We're proud to be Americans And it was always for me personally so, you know So painful to hear a president brand us as simply reporting fake news and that we're the enemy of the people Which obviously was a total lie And speaking of holding accountable, every time a Trump administration official
3: would come on your show, you would hold them accountable for the president's words about the press like that, which was always something that made me be proud to be your colleague, among many things that makes me be proud to be your colleague. Wolf, before we let you go, I do want to just, at the start of this Biden administration, obviously, his biggest challenge is going to be getting a handle on the COVID pandemic, right? On uh, stopping the spread of the virus, on getting the vaccine distribution going, on repairing the economy, which has been in turmoil for millions and millions of Americans due to COVID. You end every broadcast of the Situation Room with a tribute to those who have lost their lives to this virus. Now, President Biden has already made a point of focusing on memorializing those lost to COVID-19. He said, in fact, you have to remember in order to heal at that memorial service on the eve of his inauguration. How important do you think it is that Joe Biden brings this kind of empathy into the White House when it comes to rallying the nation to fight this crisis and get past this virus that has just been raging across the country?
4: It's so important. And the reason we show real people who sadly have passed away from coronavirus in our memorial segment every day in the Situation Room, the reason we do it is it's one thing to hear, oh, 4,200 Americans died yesterday from COVID, or more than 400,000 Americans have died. Tens of millions have uh, have come down with the virus. It's one thing to hear all those numbers. But when you show a loving mother who has passed away, a father a son, a daughter, a brother or a sister. When you show real people like that and you see how sad it is that they needlessly, they didn't have to, And we could have done things to prevent all these deaths. Sadly, we didn't. And I'm hoping that uh, this new attitude that uh, President Biden has in underscoring the humanity of all of this, as opposed to pretending we're rounding the turn, it's almost over, you know, we've done a great job. I'm hoping this will convince people that, you know what, we gotta still be careful, we gotta wear a mask, we gotta social distance, we gotta wash our hands, we gotta do all the things. And I wanna make sure that from the president on down, they show that leadership to convince the American public and indeed people who are watching all over the world, that this is by no means over. And at least in the short term, it's getting worse. Wolf Blitzer, thank you so much for spending some time with us. We really appreciate it.
2: So great to chat with you, Wolf.
4: Thank you very much.
1: This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at SleepNumber Stores or sleepnumber.com.
2: David, let's put this together for folks out there who listen to the pod. The Biden administration, it's already very much underway. What do the actions that they've taken so far tell you about the future of Biden's presidency?
3: More than anything else, Nia, it tells me that they understand their success or failure out of the gate for this administration is all through getting COVID under control. Because you saw it in some of their initial executive actions. You saw it in putting the coronavirus sort of press briefings back on the radar. This is an administration that understands they don't have a ton of time to show the American people progress. They need to show progress in stopping the spread of the virus. They need to show progress in getting the vaccine distribution plan up and running in a really robust fashion, it is a tall mountain to climb. I don't doubt that they have a really hard task in front of them, but I just think politically they understand if they can show some progress, they can actually give themselves a little leeway on the rest of his agenda. They'll get a hearing from a broad swath of Americans who are so overwhelmed by all things COVID. If they don't, they're going to be in for very rough sledding because the country is a year into this and there's not a lot of patience left. Right. So they understand that. And if they can't show progress pretty quickly here on some of these fronts, they're going to lose out on a real opportunity to get the American people on their side to move forward with the Biden agenda.
2: And of course, the first thing they've got to do is try to get some Republicans on their side, too, as they push through this agenda, this $1.9 trillion COVID relief package. Can they do what they promise, which is to be bipartisan, rely on those relationships that Biden says he has with people like Mitch McConnell? That's certainly why people wanted Biden in this job, A, that he'd been in it before as vice president. He knows his way around the Senate, knows his way around Washington more. So we'll see if that actually happens. And then, of course, hanging over all of that is impeachment. This impeachment trial, there's talks that, well, maybe it'll only be three days so they can, uh, you know, do the, the big ticket items they need to do and not be dragged down by impeachment hearings in the Senate. But the task ahead for Biden is, as you said, a mountain. And people want change now. It is so difficult for people to navigate this system of vaccines. I don't know if any of you have tried to get your parents or grandparents a vaccine. It is a patchwork system that depends on, you know, calling at the right time, being in line at the right time, navigating computer systems. So this all is on Biden's to-do list very immediately. But my goodness, Americans have been living with COVID for almost a year in terms of the shutdowns happening in March. And I think pretty immediately, they want to see some change because that is why they voted for Joe Biden. So we'll see how long the patience of the American people are and how long they're willing to kind of give Biden some slack, given that he was handed this mountain of responsibilities with this outgoing administration making it much harder for them because they didn't get the job done on on COVID.
3: So Nia, just on your point about Biden wanting to sort of prove his bipartisan credentials or outreach to Republicans, would you make of the fact that Jen Psaki doesn't rule out maybe down the road doing the financial rescue package plan, the economic rescue package plan, on all Democratic votes if it needs to come to that?
2: That's exactly what's going to happen. It's going to be like you know people need to learn this word reconciliation. That is what's going to happen with these uh, big bills. So I think if you're Biden, you can say, listen, we tried this. Urgency is too great to rely on trying to wrangle all these votes. If we can get it done with with Democrats, then let's get it done. I think that'll be their approach. And for states that are strapped for cash and people who want to get this vaccine— I don't think they'll care that, oh, it was a 51 vote if they ended up getting the vaccine more quickly or their business got a relief package from this government. So, you know, I think this was always inevitable. But, you know, Biden's got to make it seem like he's going to, you know, do the old college try of attempting bipartisanship. But listen, if he can do it with 51 votes, he'll, he'll do it. That's it for this week's episode of Politically Sound. Thanks so much for listening. And if you could take a few minutes to give us a rating and a review, we'd appreciate that. And if you're listening for the first time, don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you get our latest episode each week delivered right to you.
3: Politically Sound is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Will Cadigan, Ann Lagamayo, and Mimi Mutesa. Haley Thomas is the senior producer. Raj Makija is the senior production manager. And Francisco Monroy is our engineer. David Toledo and Taylor Galgano are the team's production assistants. The executive producer of CNN Audio is Megan Marcus.
2: We'll see you all next week.
1: Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like.